welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Dr. David Clausen. He's a physiatrist based in Seattle with a background in neurologic, cancer, spine, and sports rehabilitation, as well as pain management. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. DR, welcome back to the show. Um, again, DR is more than just a physiatrist. He's a very thoughtful, experienced physiatrist. I've worked with, worked with him for over 30 years. What I didn't know was his breadth of knowledge about biochemistry, cell biology, genetics, clinical care. So it's been fascinating um, watching him at work, putting all these different silos of information together. So last podcast, we talked about the essence of long hauler syndrome is sustained exposure to what we call threat physiology, which means inflammatory cytokines, which are protein, in other words, the immune system's fired up, your metabolism's fired up, you're consuming fuel to survive, um, you're full of adrenaline, cortisol, histamines, endorphins, all these things keep your body on high alert. And when you're on high alert for a long period of time, you're going to break down. It's like driving your car down the freeway in second gear. It's going to break down. So you have the pre-existing threat load, which is a risk factor for long haulers, or I'm sorry, for a bad outcome in general. You get sick, there's direct tissue damage, plus your circumstances have been upended dramatically. So you have your pre-existing stress plus the disease stress. Then afterwards, you're still back in the same situation that you started with psychosocially. And so there's ongoing threat and ongoing attack on your own tissues. So as we talked about in the first podcast, under ongoing threat physiology, in other words, that's how your body functions, you can't heal. You just can't. So your body has to get to safety to actually regenerate and heal. And the body heals. If the body didn't heal, none of us would be here. So yeah, I'm not trying to do all the talking here. This actually is your podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> So the thing about DR, I mean, he's put this stuff together so well. Um, we're, we're trying to stay on track here. So we have concluded that the problem with long haulers in the truest core terms is ongoing exposure to threat physiology. And you can't heal until you can create a safety, a physiology profile that's safe, which includes um, you know, growth hormone. It includes oxytocin, the love drug, um, dopamine, rewards, serotonin. All these things are anti-inflammatory cytokines. So you want this physiology that's very nurturing and causes growth in healing. So, do I know you have lots of thoughts about that. There's all sorts of different threats. We define them in the first podcast as there's personal threats, there's financial threats, societal threats. You have your own thoughts can be a threat. You have also medical, medical conditions that are disabling and painful. Those are also threats. So when your body's on the defense, it can't heal. So... We can go into some detail with that, except I'd like to really talk about how do you actually generate safety? How do you create safety in a way that allows you to heal? So we know chronic threat breaks you down. So what do we do? Yeah, well, you know, let me let me just take like minutes to run my, you know, my, my uh, sort of threat uh, uh, load really quick. So I think in terms of, you know, most people come to the doctor because they think there's something physically wrong with them and that, you know, that, that's going to be the cure. So you can go, uh, when you're looking at threat load, the first thing you want to do is look at the physical issues. You know, is there a prion, a virus, a bacteria? So uh, is, is there what? Uh, what? You, I, I, you were going a little bit quickly there. Oh, so yeah, just are there bugs? Yeah, are there uh -huh. bugs? 
You know, are there bugs? Are you infected with a bug? You know, is there trauma? You know, car accident, gunshot wound, lions, tiger, bear bite, things like that. Those are all kind of the physical threats to us. Other people can be, you know, physical threats to us in certain situations as well. Um, and then, and then, you know, toxins and pollutants all activate the threat response. You know, we just, you know, air pollution. Kids who grow up in air pollution at higher cytokines level have more asthma, have more uh, attention deficit disorder. You know, all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, as docs, that's the role that we've been put in is to figure out those, those physical threats. But then there's this other category below that activates our threat response. And I kind of lump it all under, you know, sort of the, the spiritual threats, uh, you know, and, you know, one of those being sort of disconnection from the natural world is it, it actually creates a, a sense of threat in our physiology. Um, but the social threats that we talked about in the last uh, uh, podcasts in terms of isolation, overcrowding, uh, disenfranchisement, discrimination, injustice, and poverty, and you know how that plays out in in our world uh, is significant. Um, and I think you know we also uh, in, in there we have we're given narratives, false narratives, and negative narratives, you know, about ourselves that feel threatening. And we also create our own narratives that sometimes are self-destructive and our own thoughts can really uh, haunt us. And then beyond that, we get down into kind of the shadow threats, the generational traumas, the adverse childhood events, the predictive codes that operate in our brain below awareness. Every species out there, you know, the first thing we get is, is we need a boundary to be alive. We need a metabolic system to be alive. We need a reproductive system to keep the species going. The fourth thing we need is a defense system. So every organism on earth is searching the environment to determine whether it's in safety or threat. And over a lifetime, we can develop bias codes towards threat to keep us safe, but those predictive codes get jumpy and they keep our threat physiology going. Um, and, and that can be problematic. You know, That's kind of the post-traumatic stress disorder thing where that really gets blown up. Uh, but, it, but it's operating in all of us to a subtle degree. And then the other thing that creates, creates the threat response in our physiology is the things that, the thoughts that we suppress and the emotions that we repress. And I can't emphasize enough, the emotions that we repress are, if they aren't dealt with, if they aren't uh, brought you know, forward, they can be more toxic than a, than a virus to us. So that's the threat load. So now when you have that in mind, now you can just basically go into, you know, what are the things that are active in this person and how is it best to treat them? And my mind then goes towards, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of a paradigm. As I always say, I'm always talking about the soup and the mud. But bottom up, I, I, when I think about how to get somebody into a state of safety um, in terms of the kind of the individual and kind of what we can do with that individual, I, you know, I really start with um, good nutrition supplements as needed in this day and age. Vitamin D and melatonin seem almost like they're, they're necessary for everybody because of the environment that we live in. But there are other ones that can be helpful to people. Um, good sleep, getting back into your rhythm of sleep is really important for your physiology. You know, proper exercise, 
somebody who's in falter and faint physiology shouldn't be trying to run a marathon. Their body's not ready for it, but people who are a little bit hyperkinetic and, and more in fight and flight and agitated, they want to move. And so pushing their exercise can be very helpful. So you have to kind of understand that, but you want to get everybody moving physically uh, as, as part of their recovery. Certainly if they're- So, so, so dear, what people say, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, diet, exercise, sleep, I've heard yeah. that a thousand yeah. times, but here's the key issue. Sleep, diet, let's, let's talk about sleep versus anti-inflammatory. Right. I mean, right. The, the, the essence of the solution is you want to lower inflammatory markers and maximize anti-inflammatory markers. So one, sleep, one night, one night of sleep deprivation jacks your uh, threat cytokine levels up. One right. night of good restorative recovery sleep not only drops the threat cytokines, but elevates your safety cytokines. So sleep super important. So because we understand, OK, there's societal threats that you can't solve. Right. I mean, we'd like to, so right now for you, right this today, if you're in a situation that's an ongoing societal threat, you can't just escape it. We get that. So we have to look at factors that you can solve and not solve. So the things that we can solve are there's some very distinct things that lower inflammatory markers. And as your inflammatory markers drop down, then you can go into safety physiology instead of threat. So sleep is anti-inflammatory. We know that you want to talk about anti-inflammatory anti-inflammatory diet for a second, which we sort of hear that forever, but I've sort of ignored it until now, but that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, uh, and it's easy. So, you know, we've got all, all of these big nutrition books and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is, you know, if, if you just go back to how we evolved, you know, we got 4 billion years of evolution and, you know, uh, what, 100 and 20 years really of modern society with the foods that we, you know, maybe, maybe 10,000 years change in our diet when we, when we domesticated and became agriculturalists. But, but bottom line is, is food is medicine, exercise is medicine, sleep is medicine. And so if you're eating um, whole, organic, unprocessed foods, and you're getting a good variety, you know, a variety of color, a variety of types, you're going to have an anti-inflammatory diet. You don't really have to overthink that. Now, there's a lot of really cool stuff out there, you know, things like, you know, all the different things, like even aromas that, you know, from good cooking and stuff, um, the, uh, the herbs and spices that all drop our, our pro-inflammatory cytokines and, and all of the, the good stuff that you can throw into food between the onions and the garlic and the, you know, the rosemary and all that kind of stuff that actually drop our pro-inflammatory cytokines. So diet's pretty simple. Lots of flavor, lots of colors, organic, uh, whole, unprocessed foods, and you're done. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to read 10,000 diet books. That's all you got to do. But see, but see, conversely, <clears throat> processed foods are a disaster. And one of the risk factors for having a bad outcome from COVID is a bad diet because you're overweight, you're eating processed food, you're already inflamed. So it is a behavioral pattern, pattern that can be harsh, but it's a heck of a lot better than staying sick. So diet's a big deal. So an exercise, same thing. Exercise is very strongly anti-inflammatory. But there's also things you can do to lower inflammation, like you talk about there's sounds, breathing, those type of things, and also lower your inflammatory cytokines, right? Yeah, so, so that, that's kind of the next level for me. 
is going from, you know, from kind of in the soup of what we're creating and then, and then getting up where, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm looking kind of at the level of the spinal cord and the, and the brain stem and the things, the primitive things there that actually um, soothe us and move us into safety physiology or, or uh, as Dr. You know, Porges points out, vagal tone or parasympathetic tone and remembering that the parasympathetic nervous system is our anti-inflammatory and anabolic you know, network. And so there's lots of stuff out there. Um, you know, I think prior to hearing vibration. So vibration can be soothing to us. Um, you know, massage can be soothing to us. Um, uh, sounds, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, particularly as, as Dr. Porges has done his work on sounds that are frequently, uh, frequencies of sound that are frequently in lullabies are very soothing to us. And, and he has a product related to that that increases vagal tone. So there's, there's you know, all of those, those types of things that, that are not cognitive, right? They come through our senses, you know, this, uh, smells, taste, touch, vibration, uh, you know, all of the senses that we learned about in med school and everybody kind of intuitively knows we have. And then the other, the other thing is, you know, is the breath work because one of the, because the autonomic nervous system is sort of automatic. One of the ways that we can um, actually mod, modulate the autonomic nervous system on our own is uh, by doing our good breath work and, and, you know, at the same time doing some mindfulness and meditation. But all of this is really kind of at well below the cortex, well below human thought of things that we can do to reintegrate ourselves back more into, you know, the natural world and, and kind of our evolutionary world. Um, so that, that, to me, that's the next level, you know, and for somebody who's really, uh, you know, struggling, those are the initial things to really focus on out of the gate, maybe in the first, uh, you know, two weeks or a month of, of trying to recover from a, a post-COVID, you know, uh, syndrome, uh, that I would I'd start focusing on those. But then, you know, we can get to the next levels of what we need to work on. Well, let me back up just for a second, just to review for the audience. So when you start out, you do melatonin, anti-inflammatory, Vitamin D kills the viruses. You need magnesium along with that to kill the virus. You have um, anti-inflammatory effects of vitamin C, zinc, and these different things. So they're not just vitamins. They actually fire up your immune system and allow you to actually deal with inflammatory processes and invaders. So you want to be able to prepare your body to the max to deal with this. So your basic vitamins and minerals are really critical. Then you go to the next phase of diet, exercise, sleep, et cetera, which are, again are anti-inflammatory. Then the next level, I'm going to see where you're going to go. To me, the next level is like your thoughts and your attitude and your outlook. If you're trapped, angry, and frustrated, which you often are in chronic disease, by definition, by the way, all that's inflammatory. Bad. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I, that's what everybody goes to that. My model just won't allow me to go there first because, because cognition is up here, right? right. There's this stuff kind of in the in the deeper shadows of the brain that I think we ignore and we don't deal with. And I know people go, oh, it's getting kind of weird. This is sort of too Freudian or whatever. But I honestly believe that the next thing that we have to do is, uh, as Dr. Porges would say, is, is re-embody ourselves. But it's, it's more than that. 
it is we have to get in touch with the sensations in our body uh, and, and, and feel them, not dismiss them, kind of integrate them into us. Yeah, boy, I feel achy here. Boy, my stomach's tight. And then, and then we have to go beyond that to go, what is that? Okay, because we know there's no body poking us in the stomach, you know? We tend to want to look for a bacteria or a microbiome or something that's poking us in the stomach. But the reality is that a lot of our physiologic sensations, the, one that, the ones that occur in our viscera and our organs, the ones that occur in like our fascia, which is, you know, in our muscles around our joints, uh, the ones that, you know, even in the glial tissue of the brain that can cause, you know, things, um, you know, like uh, uh, stomach aches or, you know, a tight chest or, um, you know, stiffness and achiness or headaches. Those things are, are, are housed together with our emotions. They're deeper in the brain than the cortex where human thought goes on. And, and so I think we have to deal with those, those first. And how, and how do you deal with those? When you say deal with those, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, the, and we were just talking with Les, Les Ari about this because he's the master of this. I mean, he is the, he is the guru uh, of doing this. So a really good psychologist who gets this, uh, you know, can, uh, can do it. But, but I think it's literally sitting, sitting down and going, how, how is my body feeling? And not only that, but what is it telling me? And getting getting to feel safe with those kind of adversive, uncomfortable, even painful sensations within the body to recognize that many of those are actually our emotional system communicating to us that we need to do something different. And so we have to, we have to integrate, we have to have awareness of our bodily sensation and then start to integrate those sensations so that we then have awareness of our emotions and then we can integrate our emotions. And so when we were talking about the physical and the need to move, right? Human beings have to move. We'll get sick if we don't move. We need to, we need to move. So we also need emotions, right? Emotions, they are designed to get us to do something. And so we need to allow those emotions to come through in a constructive manner to get us to change, to do whatever we need to do to get away from what our threats are in our lives. And, uh, and part of that process is doing the stuff that you have been preaching for years um, is once we've kind of integrated the body sensations and integrated our emotions, we've found our emotions again, the things we've been denying for so long uh, it is, uh, the, you know, and, and they can be uncomfortable. They can be anger. They can be, uh, fear and anxiety and they can be sadness and depression, but we have to bring them forward and then have an avenue to express them. And that's where the expressive writing comes in and the expressive movement comes in, but also, um, you know, uh, expressive, um, artwork and play and those things, we have to restore those things to us to actually move forward. And, and, and at that point, once, once we've been able to do that, now we can kind of get to um, thought reformation. You know, people call it cognitive behavioral therapy or, but basically dealing with the narratives, right? Right. The narratives, 
and whether they're uh, false narratives, negative narratives, and, and deconstructing the narratives to reconstruct you know, proper narratives, particularly for some of those narratives that we've been handed. But see, here's the deal. Uh, and I don't wanna leave out the social engagement system because the social engagement system, once people are feeling good enough to engage with other people, I think it's really good for them to be expressing their emotions just by themselves, you know, doing the expressive writing before they engage with other people. Right. Uh, we're a social species and the social engagement system uh, if it's done correctly, moves us to safety and helps us heal. And if we stay in isolation, we will not heal. So right. we have to do that. But the weird thing about the social engagement system is we're a really wimpy species. We're not very fast. We're not very strong. So we really, really need each other. This is my belief. The reason we get into all of these um, social constructs, you know, that the have to, should, needs, all that kind of stuff, that chronic dialogue in our head that grinds us down is because it's so important to us to belong to the tribe. But a lot of times the narratives we create to, to sustain social connection are just bad narratives and they actually can be more destructive than therapeutic. And so at some point we do have to actually address those narratives and deconstruct them and put together better narratives for us. Um, but I think it's a, it's a progression, um, you know, um, all, all the way up. Well, again, you know, the problem is to say you have some of these risk factors, say you've had lung disease and you're overweight and you're not feeling so good. So you're already trapped. And a lot of people that are trapped like that physically are also feeling trapped mentally and emotionally. And your body's just fired up. Now you have the disease, you have actual tissue damage, your circumstances are not what they were, so your frustration levels go through the roof. Well, again, frustration is not psychological, it just represents a physiological state of being trapped, which means you're really into a fight mode, fighting like crazy. Then like you pointed out with some of the symptoms of long haulers, eventually that wears out, you get a collapse of your sympathetic nervous system, and you just go into faint or falter or freeze. So you go into isolation, you feel tired, you feel foggy. A lot of your tissues aren't working very well. And so again, by methodically going after each one of these constructs that we just talked about, one by itself doesn't work. It always takes a combination approach to solve it, right? So then let's go to the final phase of this, which are the social factors, authoritarianism, poverty, et cetera, et cetera. Those aren't going away tomorrow. I mean, maybe by actually getting your strength back and working some of the work that we do help people with. People do start to thrive and create a new life, but you do have, have the old life that you're in. So what happens though, if you look at, if you view yourself as a victim of that life, which you are by the way, yeah. but it's also how you relate to it. You yeah. can, right, all of us can be, the victim mode is powerful, is strong. That's the essence of healing, by the way, is coming out of the victim mode. So all of us are victims of all sorts of stuff, some worse than others. I will say things like homelessness, no food, are things that are sort of almost insurmountable. So I don't want to dishonor that level of suffering. <clears throat> I mean, there are things that are just really bad. And those are things yeah. that are almost unsolvable. I and we are talking like, a lot about physicians' responsibility to actually try to work on those social issues. But for you today, it's going to be tough. Yeah, so I, I, I think we do start, you know, we start with this individual 
uh, treatment. But, but, you know, for somebody who's, you know, well down this road of, of threat, and, and as you said, being trapped, in, in my opinion, you know, that it is, you know, pain comes and goes kind of thing. It's when you get trapped in threat, that that's when you suffer. And so people are suffering in some way, they're stuck, they're trapped in threat. And that has to be figured out. And that can be based on, you know, a lot of stuff going in, on inside of them, that individual uh, treatment strategies, this paradigm we were just talking about going from the mud all the way up to the spiritual and natural level. Uh, uh, you know, we can work on, on that. Um, but, you know, if, if you don't have, you know, a warm bed, a warm shower, a warm meal, you know, it, it's going to be pretty hard to make progress and you're likely going to deteriorate. And let's right. throw out there that schizophrenia is a threat related disease. It's a, it's a neurodegenerative disease, but it has multiple comorbidities that all fit with threat and schizophrenics are doing much worse with COVID-19. So um, much higher in them. So it's, you know, again, it's all the same soup, but I do think um, without this dialogue, um, it, we are going to, as a culture, as a world, uh, as a nation, get sicker and sicker until we understand the, our biology and that, right. that this chronic, uh, you know, sort of civil and political uh, discord and, and, and uh, destruction and essentially threat-based politics is going to destroy us until we can let people understand that, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, yes, there was conflict and competition. Darwin pointed that out. He also pointed out there was cooperation and adaptation, that the marketplace is not the only way to solve problems. It, it allocates resources properly, but the market is inherently full of conflict and competition. And it doesn't allocate resources properly for things like healthcare. So it's not it's not socialism or capitalism. It's both, and you use both. You use both where they each work the best. And as long as we stay in this sort of binary world, black and white, and and capitalism and socialism, and we don't understand that organisms, not just humans, organisms. They, come, they, they work on a spectrum as to what works both. Even bacteria demonstrate uh, individualistic, uh, competitive, conflictual sort of roles, but they also participate in colonization and all the structures of the colony, including specialization and sharing of resources. That, that goes back 4 billion years. Right. Well, I mean, that's, that's Except the that we're not going to get better. Yeah, no, let's say often in the room that humans evolved to the top of the food chain by being cooperative and getting along. I mean, yeah. there's actually physiological rewards for getting along. So, Dio, let's summarize this up quickly. We're out of time here, but I really appreciate your insights. So basically, we talked about that the essence of all chronic disease, particularly long hauler syndrome, is exposure to ongoing threat physiology. Your body is being actively damaged by your, your, your body's metabolism robbing your tissues of fuel. Your inflammatory markers are actually attacking your tissues. Um, there's actual tissue damage from the situation. It's not psychological, it is physiological. And Dierre pointed out that the, there's the basics of you know, 
diet, just getting your basic enzymes working with the correct vitamin supplements, et cetera, is really critical. We were talking about diet, exercise, and sleep. Again, another level of anti-inflammatory interventions. Then you talked about sort of the getting connected to your feelings as opposed to suppressing them, correct? Was that your next level? Yeah, yeah. The, going from the autonomic stuff uh, to, the, to the, the, the sensory, the somatic sensory stuff. And then we've got to get to the emotional stuff. We've right. got, you know, we have to, we have to deal with that. Uh, we, you know, uh, and, and I would also say as a culture, you know, we, um, um, anger, anger is there for a reason, you know, it can't be destructive, but it is. So we have to use anger constructively. Right. And fear is there for a reason. They're all there to protect us. Um, sadness and isolation and grief is there for, for a reason. They're all just, so we have to embrace those for what they're telling us. Those emotions are, are for our survival and protection and not repress them and deny them. And, right. you know, and, and, and that's a huge, that's maybe the biggest thing missing uh, in our, our healing paradigms is dealing with those emotions. And as I emphasize, particularly DR has dug more deeply into this data than any ever, anybody ever ever known. So he's gone into these very deep styles of research, which are remarkable, but he's putting them together. He's tying them together. So they're starting to talk to each other. That's been exciting for all of us on this group that we work with of watching these really smart scientists start to talk to each other going, hey, this makes sense. This makes sense. So we feel strongly that chronic disease, including long haulers is a solvable, certainly a preventable problem for sure. You can certainly halt the progress and most of the time probably re, probably reverse much of it. So DR, thank you again for your insights. We really appreciate your time and uh, it was great. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. David Clausen, for being on the show today and for taking us through the physical, emotional, and social factors that are necessary to move us from threat to safety so we can heal from disease. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.